Hello and welcome to the Ethi Fitness Podcast with me, Paul. Um, I have a new microphone that is the same microphone I had two weeks ago, but I've actually plugged this one in and it's I think it's working now. So we'll see. We'll see how it goes. Um, there wasn't a podcast last week because I was ill with COVID following Ireland, um, where I got quite inebriated on Guinness and Lager and all of the other randomly expensive stuff that's in our, in Dublin, because Dublin is like 10 euros a pint, um, which let's face it is just outrageous. Like it costs you 40 euros for two pints of just any lager and two shots. So if you get a baby Guinness, it's like 10 euros. It's ridiculous. It's not even got Guinness in it. And then Guinness is like eight euros, I think, something like that. You got anywhere outside of Dublin, it's like four, which is ironic because the Guinness factory is in Dublin. So shipping costs are going to be big, are they? But they just got you by the balls, haven't they? So I got really, 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 really drunk. Um, and spent 18 hours on a bus with some other really hungover guys on on the way back on the Monday. Decided that that was going to give me COVID or COVID-like symptoms. I didn't test because I didn't really see the point because I just avoided people. Um, and then, yeah, here we are. And what that's done is I'm just going to talk about alcohol today um, because I drink. I drink pretty much after every cricket game. Um, there's just a difference between drinking one, maybe two pints, and then drinking like 10 to 15. And that's what we're going to talk about. We're going to talk about how it affects us and sort of if the effects of it are as bad as what everybody thinks they are, or maybe some people don't think it's as bad because people do get drunk on a weekly basis and still lose body fat because that's still possible. So the whole premise is like, can we actually lose fat? Can we actually make progress and drink alcohol? Can we do it? Is it sensible? How do we do it? And what not to do? So obviously, um, I don't know if people know this, but alcohol is actually the fourth macronutrient. So it's it's a nutrient that gives us calories, essentially. Um, Fiber technically does, but that's a carbohydrate. So obviously you've got protein and carbs that give you four calories per gram. You've got fats that give you nine. And then we've got alcohol, which is gives us seven calories per gram. However, out of the four macronutrients, it is the only one that doesn't actually give us anything other than those seven calories. Um, it, it does nothing. It literally just gives us some energy. And that's it. It's almost like a an empty calorie, shall we say. And the reason it doesn't give us any anything on top of the calories is because our body cannot store alcohol. So um, once you consume alcohol, the body sees it as a poison, because technically it is it's the devil's chalice. And um, yeah, your body just decides it's going to turn it, like turn the on switch to burning alcohol. So it doesn't burn anything else. It sees alcohol as a priority. Um when I say anything else, you're still going to burn other stuff because you don't burn just one singular thing. You don't burn purely fat, carbs, or alcohol. But the majority of what you burn will be alcohol. And usually what will happen is you'll fall asleep because you're really tired and alcohol makes you sleepy. And then once your body actually says, actually, yeah, we need to get rid of this, it makes you hyper. So it wakes you up and that's why you've got disturbed sleep. 
So most people after they've drank will usually toss and turn quite often. They'll probably not sleep very well. And if you used to play sports as a kid, I say as a kid, sort of 18, 18 plus when you're like uh, college, maybe university, you used to go out on a Saturday night, play football on a Sunday morning and like get absolutely leathered and just have the most energy. It's purely probably down to alcohol. I remember turning up to a Sunday league game and my mate just threw up pretty much out the whole game and he scored six goals. I turned up fresh as a daisy and I was on the bench. So, yeah. Not not bothered by it, don't worry. Not bothered. Um, don't lose sleep over that at all. I mean, because I wasn't drunk. Um, okay, so yeah, it is empty calories and like I said, we've been our cause of priority. So what that does do is the knock-on effect, it creates something called lipolysis. Uh, sorry, it stops us going through lipolysis. So lipolysis is the breakdown of fat, fat uh, into fuel. So obviously it stops that. It also stops glycolysis as well to an extent, which is carbohydrates getting broken down to fuel. Basically, you've been alcohol. That's it. That's all you need to know. The knock-on effects from uh, actually like drinking is when we... When we eat like a larger meal at lunch, for example, your body naturally compensates. So it naturally sends the hunger, the fullness signals, makes you feel um, full. And then you actually see it satiated, satiated. Never always struggle with that word. Um, and I tried doing a PhD on that. Um, it was satiated for like the period of time, which pretty much correlates with the calories and the, the volume of food that you've had. And because you've had that larger meal, your body will just compensate and you'll usually typically eat a smaller meal after that with alcohol there is no compensation it actually works in the inverse way so the more alcohol you drink or consume um the less full you will feel this goes past like the the bloated sensations or the gastrointestinal issues that you might have from shots of Sambuca, for example, which make me throw up. But from a physiological hunger hormone, it actually does make you feel fuller. Uh, sorry, makes you feel hungrier as you go through sort of the stages of drunkenness. Um, so when you're at that silly drunk and you're absolutely trashed, end of the night comes hungry as hell. Takeaway. Yay. And what that does, obviously, because your body's only going to cut, going to go to burn up off that alcohol. Um, yeah, you, don't, you might have done loads of dancing, but that's just alcohol fueling that. Um, and like alcohol confidence as well, which is great. Um, all of that food that you've, you've ingested kind of just sits behind this alcohol blocker to an extent. Um, quite a poor analogy, but... And won't get burnt, it'll just get stored. Because we can't store the alcohol, we're going to use that fuel. So what we don't use... After we've been off the alcohol, what we don't use in that um, in that food that we've had, usually doner kebab, sometimes cheesy chips. I do still, when I'm pissed, still think about my protein. But anyway, but cheesy chips is kind of elite. Um, so that'll just pretty much get stored. It'll just get broken down, get stored. And if you're not a thrower-upper at the end of the night, it's all staying in there, isn't it? Unfortunately. Um, and this is this is one of the reasons that alcohol 
isn't really conducive to, to fat loss because obviously you've got all the calories that come from from the alcohol. So like we said at the start, it's seven calories per gram, which equates to about 45 calories per bottle of beer. Uh, sorry, every 100 milliliters. So a bottle of beer is like 180 calories. Like a pint of beer is about 240, 250 kind of area. Um, half a glass of, uh, sorry, half a glass of wine. So about 125, that's about 100 calories. So you can understand that this can tot up on a night out quite considerably. And obviously that decreases our decision-making as well because the more drunk we get, the better our ideas suddenly become. Um, which, let's face it, don't work. It doesn't happen. Um, so not only are you making poor decisions, you're also hungrier. So there's more likelihood of you over-consuming alcohol, there's over-consuming of food, and these calories can really, 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 really top. And if you just couple that with something completely off topic with like under-reporting, I've never had someone say, actually, yeah, I tracked all my all my drinks properly because I knew I knew where I was. Like it just doesn't happen. When someone's had 10 pints, they don't know they've had 10 pints. They'll say they'll had six. Oh, I can't believe how wankered I was off six pints. Yeah, it's because you had 15. You threw up twice and punched my mum in the face once. Like, it wasn't six pints, was it? So, um, if you've got to factor in sort of the appetite control, you've got to factor in the calories, you've got to factor in the fa- the the next day as well. So the hangover, like not many people wake up fresh as a daisy. Like my best mate doesn't get hangovers. I think he's starting to in his old age now. He's thirty three. Um, but the first thing he'll drink after a night out is orange Fanta. He'll have orange Fanta. So apparently that's that's the key. Um, so all these things sort of manifest itself into a lot more calories being consumed, overeating, being hungover, you're less likely to, especially like past the age of about 25 when hangovers really do kill you. Um, you're less likely to exercise. You're less likely to make good decisions when it comes to food. You're probably going to be hungrier. You probably not slept very well. So your decision-making is still poor on the Sunday as well assuming that you've gone out on a Saturday night. And you've also got to factor in the the, the recovery that from training that might happen. So if, for example, I play uh, cricket, rugby, football on a Saturday, whatever I might play, Sunday I'm, I'm going to be aching and my recovery isn't going to be great because of the alcohol because it's just not great for recovery. So all those factors make Sunday probably not a training day for me. And then Monday, I'm probably still going to be aching from Saturday because I've not recovered well. My protein's not been high. I've not rested. I've been dancing on dance floor. Let's face it, I probably didn't. But I'm not giving myself the best opportunity to rest. So all these factors make a huge difference um, in terms of how we move past it. So we've got increasing calories. The recovery is not going to be great. The decision-making on the Sunday is going to be horrendous. You're probably not going to move on the Sunday, especially if you're hungover. Like as soon as I have a headache, I'm an absolute baby with it. Like that's why I didn't do a podcast last week. Um, and then there are other things that have a, a little bit of an effect on us. Obviously, um, the alcohol doesn't only come as alcohol. We don't just get pure alcohol. So when we look at our fruity ciders, you've got all that sugar that's involved in them as well. And then you've, if you liken that to someone who might be diabetic or have PCOS, 
their disease outcomes aren't going to be the easiest. Um, they're not going to be the best best drinks for them in that term. Like I've got a couple of PCOS clients and I would usually say to them that drinking is not a, a great idea. I don't ever tell anybody to not drink because it's not my place. But um, avoidance is probably key there. Then you've got uh, in males specifically, and this is actually inverse for females. So again, could have um, could have a, a little bit more of an effect on people with PCOS or um, hyperandrogenism, which is an increase in sex hormones, male sex hormones. Um, is you've, in males you've got a decreased testosterone um, acutely. So if you drink, you've got a decrease in testosterone. Again, this a reduction in recovery. Um, you've got a reduction in potential muscle mass um, being built. So if you look at uh, like a rugby game, so if you just played a rugby game, for example, and then you had a couple of beers afterwards, your recovery is going to be really, really bad because you're also negating one of the hormones that's going to be key in the recovery. Basically, you've just used yourself as a battering ram for 80 minutes. Like you need that recovery. And then the whole social side of rugby is you need to go and drink afterwards. Regardless, you've been hitting the head so many times today. You need a drink. Idiots. Um, yeah, but the inverse is said for females. That's the inverse. Like there is no reduction in testosterone. There's a slight increase now, like very acutely. But again, all the like most of this research that we actually look at, one, it's averages, two, it's really short term and three it's only one study so we can't really take much from it but we know that it will have an, uh, an effect on it and there's nobody who could probably argue that alcohol is the healthiest way for people to start losing weight or body fat i don't think anybody could really argue that um what i will say is after ranting for 10 minutes everything is dose dependent everything i've just said to, to you there everything is pretty much dose, dose 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 dependent so the no compens no compensation in your diet that is dose dependent the decision making is dose dependent that's why you can have some level of blood uh, alcohol in your blood and still drive because the decision making isn't that bad inhibitions haven't completely gone all the um, sort of the alcohol being burnt off as a, as a fuel source. Like if you only have one pint, you've only had 42 calories, so six grams of alcohol. Like it's not really going to be something that's going to keep you up. So it's dose dependent. So try not to think of it, oh, all alcohol is really bad. Try not to think, oh, I can't drink that one glass of wine at my mate's wedding or a christening or a birthday or whatever I can't, whatever it might be don't think like of it like that think of it as all right if i'm going to go and get rat assed i've got to really know that shit might hit the fan that night the day after when it comes to my diet when it comes to my nutrition when it comes to my decision making when it comes to my training all these factors make a difference but there are ways we can negate negate that so personally i would set limits so you can set limits on the day. You can set limits on how many times a month you might drink. You might 
just be like, all right, I only drink on special occasions or on holidays or whatever, rather than on days ending in Y. Or I don't drink at home. Simple. Making sure it's not every week. Like just say, all right, well, yeah, after like for me, after cricket, I might drink one beer at least after every week, but sometimes it might turn into four. Sometimes I go home after one. Pretty pretty simple, really. And if you do go out, you got on an out, like alternate between like a vodka diet mixer and just the diet mixer. Nobody, nobody in your friendship group will question that because usually they're at ass and they'll be like, oh, yeah, Hall's got a drink here. And they don't know if he's got vodka in it. And nobody's going to be like, oh, can I have a bit of your drink? Whenever he's drinking the same, like, why would they? And then secondly, I'd question your friendship group if they ever question why you weren't drinking. It's what it is. Go for low calorie stuff. So avoid like your copper bags and your old moosadas and stuff like that because like 400 calories nearly. Like, all right, yeah, they're tasty. Fuck me. 400 calories and it's just essentially just sugar and alcohol. It's ridiculous. And like if you if you have got like a, a group of you that don't really like drinking, why don't you make your social events not alcohol-based? Oh, yeah, do you want to go to go whip this weekend? Do you want to go for a walk? Do you want to go hiking? Do you want to go paddleboarding? Whatever it might be. It depends what access you've got to things. Oh, do you want to just go and sit in a park and have a picnic instead? Oh, yeah, absolutely. That sounds great. So the last one I'd probably say is smaller glass, but don't stress about that. With all this, everything's your choice. All right. One of my clients um, has just started and he went on to a social event the other week and didn't drink up until someone bought him a drink and it took four, being asked four times by the same person within two to three minutes. Do you want a drink? Why are you drinking? Oh, come on, it's only one. For him to actually just say, all right, yeah, fine, I'll get a drink. So peer pressure is the big one. And sometimes you just have to be strong. And if you find yourself being surrounded by people who peer pressure you into doing stuff like this, all right, yes, it is only one drink, but one tends to two inhibitions. And it could be easily four, five, six, seven, eight, a full night, whatever. If the people around you aren't following what you say in terms of how you want to be asked, how you portray yourself, how you're going about your day, and if they completely and utterly pester and pester and pester and pester you, or start having a girl calling you name, calling you out for not drinking, you need new friends. Like, that's just a given. If any of my mates did that in our social groups, or why aren't you drinking? Oh, fucking, I can't believe you're not drinking. You're no fun. It's like, mate, I'm no fun with a drink. I'm no fun without a drink. So why would you want me around anyway? And two, why does my drinking affect your day? Why does it affect your night if I'm not drinking? Like, are you afraid you're going to do something when I'm drunk that I'll remember? Because you won't. Like, what, what's the issue? If the people around you can't just accept you for being you, and if you don't want to drink, you don't want to drink, absolutely fine. Just get rid of them. Sounds harsh. 
might have long-term friendships with these people, but they're your friends. And that's alcohol. You can lose fat and drink. Moderation is key. And do you need to drink? Think about it. 